the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show on this last day of March. And I'm going to go straight to my guest, Sarah Carter. She is an investigative journalist. She's traveled with migrants for the last month. She's fluent in Spanish. Her excellent website is sarahcarter.com. Sarah, welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Oh, it's so great to be with you, Dennis. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And by the way, my daughter, who's at University of Wyoming, is a huge fan of yours, and so is my son. So I just wanted to throw that out there, a nice shout-out from them. I'm very touched, actually. Thank you for that. I spoke at the University of Wyoming a couple of years ago. Just for the record, you will get a kick out of this. So needless to say, I was attacked in advance for the usual bigotry and phobias. And along the list in the either the Laramie paper or the University of Wyoming paper, the writer wrote, and he's an anti-Semite. Yeah. Oh, so you, you, it great. proves it proves that there is a list of terms, and they're just used. There's no basis. There's no backup. There's no proof. Nothing. It's just actually, I laugh, but it is really quite shocking and really quite sad that at a university that they would use that term, correlate that term to you. It shows that they haven't even done the research. Right. They know nothing about you. That's that right. They're just willing to believe. Whatever uh, lies are being spewed out there, disinformation campaigns um, out on the Internet. So it really is, even though I laughed a little, um, it is quite frightening, Dennis. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe that in this day and age when we're supposed to have so much technology that gives us so much access to information, that there's so many people out there with such little information and factual information. That's right. Well, it's the use of epithets to dismiss, never to debate. Anyway, it was just a, a memory. I had a great uh, time there. Great. Uh, the, sh- the the speech is actually on the internet, and it, how socialism makes you selfish, which is probably right. more necessary than ever. Okay, so I'm curious about you. Where did you learn your Spanish? From my mother, um, from when I was very, very, I mean, from the moment I was born, probably, I was hearing Spanish. Uh, my mother is from Cuba. She's an immigrant. She came in the 1960s on the Johnson Freedom Flight with her sisters and her mother, my grandmother, who I love dearly and um, who passed away at the age of 102, believe it or not. Um, so I, I learned from them. I mean, that was the root of my not only my knowledge of Spanish, but also my background and the reason why I'm so passionate about immigrants and about people that are fleeing to find a better life. Now, my mother came in, you know, during a time when Cuba was tumultuous. Fidel Castro had taken power. 
Um, obviously, our family uh, was were not supporters of Fidel Castro. They 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 left on the Peter Pan and Johnson Freedom flight to find a better life in America. And my mother always used to say that the moment she landed, well, they landed first in Florida, but they were sponsored by a family actually in California. One of the churches, a doctor actually in California, sponsored my family. Um, and my mom said from the, the minute she landed in California, met the family, you know, whenever anybody would ask her, and she worked so hard, she got her, you know, of course, her citizenship and everything, they would say, oh, you're Cuban, and she'd say, no, I'm American. No, I'm American. Mm. I left Cuba. Mm. I'm an American. And she believed so much in this country. And my father was not was not Cuban. Um, he was American. He was actually born in Alabama and was a World War II veteran. And um, a much older father. And he used to, I mean, just, just amazing how much he loved and, and the passion he had for our country and, you know, the stories I would hear from my father. But I think what really rooted me in my in the way that I am with, with both of them, but I grew up in an immigrant neighborhood. I know what it's like after my father passed away. You know, I traveled all over the world when my father was alive. I spent a lot of time in different countries. I really have a grasp for that. I have a real passion for people. And I think that's what has driven me to cover stories along the U.S.-Mexican border um, and in Guatemala and in Honduras. I mean, I've spent a lot of time in different parts of the world in my career. What has... Uh, it- in your view, what has changed at the border from when Donald Trump was president? Oh, it's so far worse. So far worse. Um, I always tell everyone, I've been covering the border since the Bush administration. There was only one president, and I remember the border even before the Bush administration, believe it or not, but there was only one president that actually meant what he said and did what he said, and that was actually President Trump. You know, and... I don't know how people took it. I mean, it's a very difficult subject, right? The issue of immigration, the issue of people fleeing their country or young people undocumented. I mean, it's a, we look at the humanitarian issue when it comes to that. But I want people to understand that are listening to this right now. And I'm saying this just because this is what I have experienced and what my knowledge is from all the years I've covered the border. The crisis, the humanitarian crisis, is perpetuated by the fact that we don't have established rule of law that we follow through with. That was going into not only from the Bush administration, but going into the Obama administration. We saw those changes in the Trump administration just in the four years. Then he was like, nope, these are the rules. We will not allow you to come in until you are processed. Now, you've got to stay over there. We're going to process you through. We're going to find a better way to do this. But we can't just allow and perpetuate this type of behavior where drug cartels, human traffickers, and corrupt politicians and others are basically using human beings in a political game. You know, they're pawns in some kind of political game. And you, you see the results of that. You see children dying on the road. You see um, rape and predators targeting innocent migrants who were used in this political game, not only just, I'm not just blaming the United States here, there, there, are, there are also pawns in political games in Central America and South America, all over the world, and you get, they get mixed messages. And when I'm down there talking to them and I say to them, you know, especially on this trip, let's talk about the, these last, this last month, I don't put words in their mouth. I say, what made you come here? Well, President Biden. 
because that's what we're hearing everywhere, that we have 100 days to get into the country. President Biden isn't turning anyone back. My family came in last week. They called me. They said they're getting processed. Um, you know, they hear it from word of mouth. They hear it on the Internet. They hear it uh, from corrupt politicians or people who maybe want to target the United States. You know, and they'll use Biden's own words. They'll use Vice President Kamala Harris's own words to lure people here. But you got to you got to see the consequences of this, and the consequences of this are lives lost, young children, young girls. Imagine being seven years old on a journey from Honduras, going through three nations, being brought in by people that are not your guardians or your parents. What do you think happens to a young child like that, or a young teenage girl, or a young boy for that matter? These children are targeted. They are. They are, they are destroyed, I think, spiritually inside. You know, some of them, I've had young girls where, you know, you know where they've let me know, and I don't want to, you know, talk too much about this, where I've had to go to the Border Patrol and say, could you please get her to a doctor? She has more than likely been raped, and she needs to be checked. You know, she's only 13 years old. So, you know, when people say that, you know, laws, you know, are stopping, you know, all these wonderful people from coming into the country, realize that some of these wonderful people are being trafficked by the most horrific people on the planet. And that's the horror of it, Dennis. And I think that's what, you know, breaks my heart. It's the reason why I keep going back to the border. It's the reason why I've traveled to Guatemala three or four times. It's the reason why I'm going back. It's the reason why I'm, you know, I'm so focused on, you know, uh, our nation's laws and 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 so how tell that me what what is the average individual from Honduras or Guatemala, let's say, what would they answer to you? Gee, I didn't know this happens. It's worth the risk. It's extremely rare. They don't want this to happen to their children. So what would they respond? Well, it, it, it's based on, on who you're talking to. Um, they don't ever really say it's worth the risk. Like if their child has been harmed, I think, and they're a decent human being, they would say that they can't believe that this actually happened, that they actually thought that they would make it in safely. But I got to tell you right now, Dennis. All right, wait, now, tell me right. Don't forget what you want to tell me right now, Dennis. That's... <laughs> Because I'm, I'm very interested in hearing the response to that. Sarah Carter is at sarahcarter.com, and she is sort of embedded with people coming in the southern border. I'm Dennis Prager. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. 
I'm really happy. It's, it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. And it's the last day of fundraising. It's the 31st of March. Sarah Carter is my guest. She is uh, with Fox News and her own magnificent website, sarahcarter.com, and spends a lot of time at the southern border. So I asked you, given the the terrible things that can happen to especially a child, what is the attitude of a person in Honduras or Guatemala? I'll take my risk. I don't even know there's a risk. What What is their view? Look, I think they realize there's a risk. Uh, there's a reason why we see, and, you know, I'm going to be frank here, Plan B, uh, different types of birth control um, on the on the trips. I talk to people here. Uh, I'm here meaning, like, in Virginia, um, immigrants who have come in, illegal immigrants who have come in, and, and legal immigrants who have friends in their neighborhood who have traveled in from Honduras and other parts of the world, uh, and they're just willing to take those risks. Sometimes life is just really tough, even in those countries. I don't take that away. You know, but then I talk to people here, and they say, well, you know, MS-13 moved into my neighborhood. I talk to people who are legal immigrants in some of these underprivileged neighborhoods, and they'll just be like, I remember under the Trump administration, one person in particular who I know very well, um, said, oh, we're just so grateful because no MS-13, no new MS-13 gang members have arrived in our community in a while, and we want it to stay that way. Like, they were terrified because what will happen, too, is there's good and there's bad, Dennis. I mean, you just can't say put everybody, oh, everybody's an innocent victim. No, not everybody is an innocent victim. There are a lot of innocent victims and innocent people who are thinking that maybe they can do this, they can find a better life, but there are also a lot of bad people. And there's also a lot of people who have abandoned their children. Their children are raised on the streets in Honduras by gang members. Or maybe their children lost. Maybe their parents passed away. Maybe these children grew up alone. Or maybe they grow up with guardians that aren't very good. And they become a part of a gang on the street. And now they're coming to the United States. There's a lot of layers to this story that are not being told. And so some people, yes, some people believe that well, maybe we can do it. Maybe we can take this risk. Maybe we can make it safely across the border. There's our family units. There's a lot of people that travel um, with their children. There's also people that travel with children that are not their children. And they pretend that those children are their children. In fact, in one instance, uh, several weeks ago, while we were walking with a group, um, one of the kids, I was with a, a private landowner, he also speaks Spanish, and he asked this little boy, he said, wait, 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 hold on, because the little boy was going up ahead, your father's behind you. You know, I wait for your father, and he said, that's not my father. And the man said, no, 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 I'm your father, remember, I'm your father. It's like, they think they're going to have a better chance of staying if they tag on to one of the children, um, say they're their child, they won't get returned back home. And that seems to be the process right now again. It, this happened under the Obama administration. We saw this uh, in 2013 to 2014. There were about 67,000. I also covered the story then, 67,000 um, undocumented children. But remember, there's a lot of what they call family units, and that's taking up the bulk of it. And for a lot of people, they think like, oh, if we come in with a child, then we're, we're home free. And, we're not and, and they're right, I assume. They are right. 
They are right. To a is there, part, is there a difference right. between the way we see pictures of largely children detained now and under the Trump administration when they were supposedly held in cages? Well, I, I think there's a there's a, a huge difference. We didn't, first of all, it wasn't as um, as many as we're seeing right now. Look, last month we had over 100,000, over 100,000 people come in illegally across the U.S. southern border. We have the, the area, the facility where I was at, I was reporting on, I had a whistleblower at the Donna facility, which was fascinating to me that I, I couldn't even believe it when I got down there to see it, these long football field-like white tents with no windows. You know, air conditioning, yes. But absolutely no windows. I couldn't see in. It looked like a prison. The, the fencing around the Donna facility was double layered. It was very difficult to see inside. You couldn't even see the people that were being brought in and being dropped off. And this is where the majority of children were being held at this Donna facility. The complaints that it was over 800% capacity. Uh, in one particular tent area, there should have only been 80 children. There were over 700 children. How would this have been so reported now, if this had happened exactly like this, but President Trump or President? They would have destroyed him. The media would have destroyed him. AOC would have been down there crying. She would have had Rashida Tlaib with her and the whole gang and Ilhan Omar. They would have had, uh, I mean, this, this would have been it. They would have had another impeachment. They would have called him a racist. They would have said every word that could come to their mouth would have described President Donald Trump. They would have torn him apart. And the tragedy here is that there is a real crisis at the border, a very vivid, real crisis. We can see it happening. I'm reporting on it every single night that I'm down there. And other reporters are going down there now, too, and reporting. And the Biden administration refuses, refuses to call it a crisis, refuses to call a spade a spade, they put Vice President Kamala Harris in charge of, you know, the immigration policy issues. She won't even go down there. In fact, she laughed. when And, and she, she had a nervous, a weird nervous laugh, uh, a cackle of sorts, uh, when she was asked if she was going to go down to the border. And she should be nervous. But she should have said, no, we're going down there, and we're going to see what's happening, and we're going to find a resolution to this crisis. Because it's not just about the people and the children. Children are always number one, right? They're innocent victims, most of them, especially if you're talking about very young children. These are the innocent victims of our just messed up world, right? But but what about our law enforcement officials? What about our, you know, DPS, Texas Department of Public Safety? What about... Arizona law enforcement and federal officials that are on the front lines every day. What about the people right. that are coming in with right. COVID? Yep, yep, yep. Well, you can learn more watching her on Fox News or at sarahcarter.com. You're doing very important work, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dennis. Thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. All right, everybody, I want you to know sarahcarter.com is Sarah A. Carter. There's two A's. sarahacarter.com. I think uh, it's obviously very important that you know that. Wow. CNN has issued a statement that gender identity is not knowable at birth. 
and you uh, continue to watch that uh, that network or or someone you know, and, and they call Fox liars. Well, it is what it is, and we have to fight it. And that's what I do every day. It's a sick world of the left. It's sick. It's pathologic. It's pathologic. One of the things that PragerU is doing is Prager Force, 15,000 young people around the world. And on this final day of fundraising, I am interviewing a high school student who's in Prager Force in Brentwood, Tennessee, Matthew Mason. Matthew, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you, Mr. Prager. It's great to be on your show. Thank you. Tell me a little about yourself. Are you in a high school? Are you homeschooled? Which? Um, well, I am of high school age, but I am currently being homeschooled. At what age did you begin? Um, kindergarten. I've always been homeschooled. Oh, you've always been homeschooled. By the way, one of the one of the reasons I immediately asked was you said, "Mr. Prager." That is you. Oh, that is very you. often a giveaway. <laughs> That somebody has actually, uh, I don't have a problem with Dennis, but I i do uh, admire the the way you were raised in that regard. Are you intending to go to a college? Uh, yeah, I think I will go to college. And are you aware, having been homeschooled, what colleges typically teach, or shall I say indoctrinate? Yeah, I think I have, because I've, you know a lot of campus lectures, and I stay pretty informed, but I am planning I'm probably going to one of the more conservative colleges there that's also Christian. I'm not planning going to, you know, UC Berkeley or anything. Right. Okay. So in that sense, you're, uh, you're one of the few, actually, colleges, not even all Christian colleges have been untainted by you don't know the gender of a child when it's born. Are you familiar with that argument that... There is no such thing as fixed gender? Yeah, I am. It's kind of like the idea that, like, your mind is all that matters and your physical body doesn't matter. I mean, I don't find it very convincing, but I think that's the basis of it. So how, being homeschooled, have you become aware of what's going on out there? Well, I mean, I think how I'm more aware is that I... Well, I listen to, you know, a lot of lectures. I listen to you. I listen to, you know, Charlie Kirk. I listen to Ben Shapiro. And, you know, they talk about it a lot. So I think that's probably the main um, source of information I'm, you know, where I'm getting. How did you from. discover PragerU? Well, I was actually listening to a lecture by Charlie Kirk. And he mentioned PragerU during the lecture. So I um, checked it out. I loved your guys' videos. And I wanted to get involved. So I joined PragerForce. Have you been at any meeting to meet other Prager Force members? Well, I, I've been on virtual events. Um, I joined um, this past summer in June, and obviously um, there's been a lot of lockdowns already, so I don't think there's been a lot of um Right, I understand. Yet. There, there, have been, have some, there have been Zoom meetings? Yes, I've done some Zoom meetings. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, uh do you have a way to, through social media, mouth-to-mouth, Zoom-to-Zoom, way of spreading word about our videos? Uh, yeah, I have a Twitter account. That's my main um, form of spreading. And I, I like to retweet your guys' you know, videos and comment on things and 
such. And I always ask this, and I'll just preface it by noting I always, in, in years, it's amazing to me, I've always gotten a different answer. Do you have a favorite PragerU video? Yes, I do. Right, drum roll, please. Go ahead. Okay, and and it's the one that it's one of the videos that you did. It's um, I believe it's actually your most recent one. It's um, how the left sees the world, power, race, and class. That's right. That has not been chosen yet. <laughs> power, race, and class. That's exact. Yes. All right. Hold on with me. Uh, just a couple of more questions. Uh, this. This young man will be spreading the word. PragerU.com, 833-PRAGERU for the donation. Let there be no doubt, big tech and the far left have joined forces to purge America of conservative views. So why exactly are we choosing to give big tech companies all of our personal data? The battle lines have been drawn. Big tech has made it clear which side they're on. Now was the time to take a stance. Protect your personal data from big tech with the VPN I trust for my online protection express VPN. Every device, whether you're on your phone, laptop, or TV, has a unique string of numbers called an IP address. When you search for things, watch videos, or even click a link, big tech companies can use that IP to track your activity and tie it back to you. So stop handing over your data to big tech companies whose aim is to censor you and spy on you. Defend your rights and protect your internet activity with the VPN I use. Visit expressvpn.com Prager, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N com slash Prager to get three extra months free expressvpn.com slash Prager. Hey, by the way, I want to tell you about a movie. I have a, a high school student in Tennessee, member of Prager Force. One final uh, thing, if I may, uh, speaking to Matthew Mason. By the way, how old are you? I'm 17. So, do you... I feel bad asking this because if you don't uh, feel this, <laughs> I don't want to put it in your brain, but do you feel that America is in a severe crisis? Um, somewhat. I mean, it'll depend, you know, what happens over the next couple of years. But I really feel that um, if the Republican Party becomes um, very secular, then I'm really going to be worried because then there's not going to be any large enough organization to um, – put forward Judeo-Christian values. So if that happens, I'll get really worried. So uh, you're, you're aware that at almost every college you get up and introduce yourself and give your preferred pronoun. Are you aware of that? I was not aware, aware yeah. of that. Okay, so to a certain extent, and by the way, I'm actually happy about it. To a certain extent, being homeschooled, you've been insulated from these developments. Yeah, I guess so. Right. So you have, uh, and I'm happy that you do a largely uh, optimistic view that we can overcome what's happening. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. Anyway, I wish you luck. I hope we meet one day. And uh, I thank you for joining Prager Force. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. I would like to have a, a panel of, uh, of uh, it might also be that he's, you know, in Tennessee and not California or New York. And, I, you know, I suspect it's not Nashville. I don't know where Brentwood, uh, Tennessee is. 
But it, it, it would interest me to find out the average homeschooled student in different areas of the country. Are, there, are they aware of the assault on Western civilization that's taking place? The most dramatic one in the last week, and every week has its most dramatic one, or most dramatic ten, is what's happening at Oxford University where they are declaring musical notation or annotation as a white supremacist movement. The the very notion of classical music is is an expression of white supremacy. I have said, as you know, thousands of times, written articles on it, everything the left touches, it destroys. At what point will those who find that comment over the top understand that it is literally true? There is nothing the left touches that it doesn't destroy. Nothing. It it is a force of pure destruction. If it's good, the left destroys it. America was largely good. America is composed of 330 million flawed human beings. It is amazing that it got as good as it did. The amazing thing is not the bad that exists, which is universal. The amazing thing is the good that exists, which is unique or extremely rare. You don't judge people by the same flaws, or you don't judge a society by the same flaws that every other one has. You judge it by what makes it exceptional, either worse, like a communist or fascist or Nazi country, or better, like America. I have a particular love of classical music, as you know. You know who love classical music the most, by far, certainly in the young generation, are Asians, Koreans, Chinese, and Japanese in particular. If you look at European orchestras, there are so many Asian players. The, the non-West may save the West. I'll tell you who may save Catholicism and maybe all of Christianity are Africans. I've been reading, I don't recall his name, I've been reading the the works of a an African cardinal. Uh, and I forgot which countries in West Africa. The man is brilliant. And he 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 so understands the conflict between true Christianity and the left which the present Pope has no clue, no clue with regard to, because he's on the left. So who knows? As I said in my speeches in Romania a couple of years ago, maybe maybe Eastern Europe will save Western Europe. Maybe Africa will save the West. Maybe the South and the United States will save the North. That's right. That's the way it looks at this time, doesn't it? 
I'm Dennis Prager, and we continue. The Dennis Prager Show. If this doesn't prove to you, not suggest, not hint at, not imply, prove to you that CNN is sick, that it is morally, intellectually sick, nothing will. CNN. Though the two executive orders signed by Nome, that's Christy Nome, the mayor, the mayor, excuse me, governor of South Dakota, do not explicitly mention transgender athletes, they reference the supposed harms of the participation of quote unquote males in women's athletics. Supposed harm. Get there's no real harm that women with male bodies self-identified females with male bodies keep winning competing in women's sports does is, is supposed harm we continue an echo of the transphobic claim cited in other similar legislative initiatives that transgender women are not women the orders also reference biological sex a disputed disputed term biological sex is a disputed term that refers to the sex as listed on students' original birth certificate. No, it refers to the sex you were born. The chromosomes, the genitalia, the internal organs that are unique to each sex. It's not what you were assigned, it's what nature assigned to you. And now the the creme de la creme, the coup de grace, It is not possible to know a person's gender identity at birth. And there is no consensus criteria for assigning sex at birth. It should be there are no consensus criteria or there is no consensus criterion. But it is CNN. There is no consensus criteria for assigning sex at birth. Yep. Penis, XY chromosomes testicles no that's uh that's not a consensus ovaries vagina same sex uh, same chromosomes what is it double x i believe no no criteria uterus no criteria that's that's a sick sick people run one might even say evil, given the the assault on truth that is a daily occurrence at CNN. I, I don't know how people work there in good conscience. I do. I take it back. The ease with which people dull their conscience is one of the terrible lessons of history. That's how you work at CNN or the New York Times or Washington Post. But we're fighting, and we may win, my friends. I'm Dennis Prager.